Good morning, y'all. <laughs> y'all. And, and I think I explained last time, um, all y'all is more than two, so I should really say good morning, all y'all, you know. Um, look, I just want to say thank you so much for your prayers um, for when I um, left to go over to Gateway. Um, it was truly a huge privilege to be able to go, both to be released from here to go and also to be accepted over there. And I just really want to say thank you to my music team, um, Andrew and Aaron, all those main ones that have really kept it going for me and praying for me and, you know, for the intercessors, you know, praying for me. Um, always you pray for me and for the music and Mary, I just so honour you for that and I believe that through you and through the worship team and the intercessors and the rest of the church that you know not only for myself but for Pastor Mike and Joy and um, Pastor and all that doors are opening but they're opening for all of us and it's not but you know sometimes we can look at our circumstances think gosh you know when, when's the door going to open for me and all that and I just say when you least expect it and really what it is is don't ever um, don't ever begrudge the small things that you do ever you know, because a lot of it is when you're in the ploughing and the dirt and the mud and, and it seems that this is all you're going to do, that suddenly a window of opportunity comes and you've got to be ready, hey? You've really got to be ready to go. And I just thank you again for um, allowing me to leave here to go over and be part of an amazing church. Um, so it's not really going to be so much a message as such, it's just I'm just going to share, is that okay? What, what I got out so. A little bit about Gateway. Um, Gateway, probably about 10 years ago, was um, started up by a guy called Robert Morris who was actually a Southern Baptist guy, so he's got the real drawl going on. He's fantastic. And there was only about 200 people, and he got together with another guy called um, Thomas Miller, who was an amazing musician uh, for Christ for the Nations Institute. And they got together and they prayed, and they really believed and they prophesied over the city of South Lake, where they are in um, Dallas-Fort Worth, um, about what God wanted for the place and they came up with a name called Gateway, both for things that of what was coming into the into the region via you know the spirit realm, but also what will go out from that place into the community. So they came up with Gateway Worship. So fast tracking, you know, nine, ten years later, they now have gone from 200 people to 24,000, 26,000 people. And they've got six campuses, five in Dallas-Fort Worth area and one's in Arizona. And, you know, God is just really, really on that church. And people say, well, Texas is big anyway. You know, everything's big in, in America, so churches that size, well, that's probably not uncommon. I disagree with that because it's all relative. You know, yes, they're big, but we're... Um, South Lakers and where this church is, um, it's pretty much um, very rich business people. So they, they, there was not really a need for God in their lives, you know. So they've really had to plough the hard yards, and it's through their um, vision of being generous in all things, in all things, that God has grown that church to 24,000 people. And I love it. What it is is they don't hold on to anything, any resources that they have for pastors and leaders, any uh, resources for musicians or singers or anything. Have it, have it, have it, have it. They don't hold on to it. They give it out, and God blesses them and pours into their life just as fast as they're giving it out. You know, and I love that. And it's like, just keep filling us up until we're overflowing. Overflow. Don't ever let God fill you up so much that it doesn't go in and you retain it for yourself. Because when you retain it for yourself, you stop growing. And I, I think I've said in music time sometimes is that you become like the bloated cow. Is that you get fed and you're fed and you're fed, but you've got no outlet and you die. It's, it's when at the outlet, it's the giving out that life comes. So 
just very quickly, part of what I love about them is, is that um, they love to use worship as a catalyst for change that helps to transform a, a temporary view of what we are and how we see God to intimate exchange between every believer and the creator of heaven and earth. They are just so want to capture what God has for their nation and beyond. They just want to so capture, and they position themselves to do so. And I've seen it firsthand because, you know, you go and then you think, gosh, what is it going to be like? You know, I really did feel like the small fry. I'll have to admit the little Kiwi girl. And, you know, um, if you ever go over there, you're just going to be blessed because you only have to open up your mouth and speak, and they love the accent. You know, you got it made, you know, <laughs> and they just love it. But they love New Zealand. They really do. They pray for New Zealand. And, you know, they've just got such a big vision for the place. And I love being part of that. Um, in, the, in the area of Dallas, Fort Worth, Dallas, and Southlake, um, the Metroplex area is probably about 6 million people. So it's not going up so much as it's going out. And so we are very, very little compared to when you look at it like that. But, you know, it's also known as the Bible Belt. So in Texas and, um, you know, oh, Oklahoma and all that, there is... A, because of their history um, and their inheritance, there still is a reverence for the Lord in that place. So I will say that for them. And so, you know, you can introduce yourself as a pastor or worship leader in, in another church, and it'll be, say, to the waiter at a restaurant. And he goes, that's fantastic. What do you do? They're so accepting, you know. And, um, you know, I'll go into a restaurant somewhere, and you've got Christian music playing in amongst everything else, it's just so accepted. And so over that place, you know, of where we're, there's just like this open heaven. There really is. But many, many businesses will tribute a lot of the growth in their business to Gateway. You know, they ask, why are you over here? I go to a restaurant. Why are you over here? I'm here for a conference. Oh, what conference is that? Oh, Gateway. That's fantastic. They go, that's our church. And I go, really, you go to that church? No. But that's our church, you know. <laughs> they take ownership of it. Yeah, even, the, even though they don't, they don't go yet, they are proud of it. And, and they have amazing um, local missions and overseas missions, international. They're just giving out. They've got, they've got a staff of well over 400 people that are paid on staff. They've just about got themselves to a place of, um, with the tithes and the giving, they live on 10% and pay their staff, and they give away 90%. That is just incredible, you know, and God just honours that and honours that. Um, where else go? I love what they say is that they want to build God's kingdom through Christ-centred, church-led community transformation. I thought that was very, very cool, just captured it. And, you know, their motto is, you know, everybody that you encounter, everybody that you come across in your path is um, that verse is, I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, you took me in. I was naked, you clothed me. I was sick, you visited me. I was in prison, you came to me. As you did it to the least of these, you did it for me. And it doesn't matter what walk of life that is, that is inbred into them. Whoever comes across their path, that is the heart of how they will serve. And, you know, I was, I was talking to them about, okay, how does the worship go? How do you get into the team? What's the process you have to go for? And they say, first and foremost, if people want to be up on the platform, that's great, no problem there. But if you're not prepared to pick up a, a, a paintbrush or go do um, a working bee around at somebody's house, it doesn't work for us. You know, So you'll see the head pastors and things like that, they're out there, they're doing makeups. They, you would have seen the, um, the, on the TV programs the renovation of homes and things like that. You know, It's the makeovers and all that, they do that as well. 
and they do it for somebody in the community and you know um, and they get the community to help so it's not just the church they rally up and so they're working alongside other unsaved people in the community and that is one of the ways that they get them in to the church you know and people people just love it and that's that's been amazing growth for them so uh, as Pastor Lynn said, is, is that it came all out of the blue for me to go back to Dallas, and you really didn't have to ask me twice, to be honest. You know, <laughs> I was there, um, but it was a privilege because for the first time ever, they've done an international round table. And why it's called the round table, I, I thought it sounded very, you know, um, back in the ark, you know, and Merlin and what have you. But um, what it is is that there's no leaders. There's no head. It's everybody share. We're on the same same uh, platform. And um, it's the first time they've done the international one. So there were 20 people from other nations at this table, and I was one of them. So I was, there's no one from Australia. So I'd come the furthest, you know. And it was amazing the people that you got to meet. I mean, again, it was a small fry, but I don't despise it. I, I've, oh, we have something so different here. Over there, there's a lot of opportunity, but they've had to plough the, um, the ground too. But, you know, you've got people that are... There's a lady who came from Brazil. Now, when she sings, and I'm so proud of her because uh, there's a big price to pay in ministry, amen? Really, really big price. People want to have the end result. They want to be in front of the camera. They want to sing and all this sort of stuff, but you don't know the price that's been paid to get there. Um, and she's got such a humble heart. Well, she sings to well over 2 million people, both in the secular as well as in the Christian um, region. Um, Guatemala, um, Peru, um, South, uh, Central America. Uh, I've met with um, the worship leaders from Bread of Life where Pastor Mike goes in Taipei. I mean, they're big, they're big, they're big. But, you know, humble people. And I want to tell you, God is on the move. God really, really is on the move. And he's doing things fast and he's doing things quickly. And, you know, again, it comes down to positioning yourself that if you've got to design your heart to do something, don't make excuses of why you can't. And that's the thing that I got from there this time is, is that seize the opportunities that come and if there's no and if you're thinking there are no opportunities or well, where have you positioned yourself you know where have you what have you laid down are you standing still long enough to actually hear what the Lord is saying to you are you turning up your nose that you know you know something's got to be done or you should be doing but it's beneath you I mean I just I just think you know a lot of these people that have come to be in these places is they've had to start small they've had to start small um so uh, they had, again, Americans do things big. They had a pre-conference, then a conference, then a post-conference, and then a follow-up after that. But at the Bless Weekend, I, um, they had six campuses go all at once, and they had multiple services. So there's um, one service done six times over the weekend, so it's exactly the same, same songs, and all that. you think, well, that'd be a little bit boring. But no, it's not. It's just to get the people through the doors. And everything's timed. It's quite different here. And I just thought, oh, gosh, where's the uh, prophetic flow? You know, how do you go from, what if you wanted to go from this song to the others? It doesn't happen, you know, <laughs> because everything's timed. But they do have special services that you can do that. So um, I led um, some songs, and I was with a lady uh, from Guatemala, and she, her and I did this um, song called Old Earth of Blood. And that was um, the song, one of the songs as well as that whole earth, which are the main focus of uh, the, the conference. 
and she sang in Spanish sometimes and I sang in English and I tell you what, there is something amazing when you get people from all around the world together singing this one song, especially when you're talking about the blood of Jesus. And I reckon there needs to be more songs written about the blood of Jesus, about repentance, about what it was, the price that was paid at the cross for us to be where we are and the freedom that we've got. I often think of people that, um, uh, like Doug and Kalinda, you know, where they've got to be so careful where they, uh, they can't, you know, I was talking with a lady from China and she's an amazing worship leader, but she goes, we can't get out there and have big crusades. We can't. You know, I'm so careful and conscious of even singing in my house. And yet she's got an amazing gift of worship on her life. And I said, well, how do you express yourself? And she goes, it first and foremost starts with intimate worship between me and the Lord. It actually doesn't really matter where. But I just thought, gosh, we're so blessed. We can stand here together. Yeah, stand here together, you know, and worship. And, and I guess sometimes I, I, I look around and I think, not, not only here, but it's just like, why wouldn't you want to lift your hands and praise God if you've got the freedom to do stuff? There are people that will give their eye teeth to be able to lift their hands this much to be able to worship the Lord their God in, their, in the country, but it's so closed down, shut down, or they've got to worry about what will happen. They can't, and yet we have every opportunity to get down on our knees, get down and lift our hands and worship the Lord as an act of surrender. You know, that was another thing that really challenged me. Yep, over in America in this Bible belt, you know, which it's called, hands go up. But, you know, I do. it does remind me of that we are so privileged to be able to sing and worship the Lord and listen to some fantastic messages without the restraint of, of thinking, you know, you're going to get arrested when you walk out the door. Um, Robert Morris, uh, we had Robert Morris speak, we had Joel Osteen, Jimmy Evans, Max Licado, so we had some top-notch um, uh, speakers there, so it was amazing when you sit there and, and uh, I think the auditorium held about seven, six, 7,000 people and you could hear a pin drop when they, when they speak and again they just shared what was happening in the nation, what was happening there and you know, like I said, things are happening very, very quickly. We've got to position ourselves because I think, you know, um, it, it, it's coming here. It really is coming here. You know, people go, oh, you know, revival, this revival. Actually, you know what? It is happening, you know. Um, so like I said, the Lord really spoke to me in regards to what limitations I've allowed myself to come under um, by the way of making excuses. And that's something I just want to share with you because I'm guilty of it. I am. You know, I just... Um, I just thought, you know, I had to get the revelation that if God, the creator of the universe, created us on purpose, with a purpose, and for a purpose, then why in the world would we be willing to settle for anything less? And I had to get hold of that. At first it flew over the top of my head, and then it was just like, I don't, can't remember the rest of the service, because this thing kept coming back, and it's like, everything is for a purpose. I created you for a purpose, with a purpose, to do a purpose. So the word purpose is the thing you know, that I had to get into my spirit and think, yeah, we've all got a purpose. Um, and I know that we've all got a purpose here, but we need to embrace our role and our purpose with our whole heart. We can't do it half-heartedly. If we do it half-heartedly, we'll get half-heartedly results. You know? And I don't want half-hearted results. Um, you know, Gateway embraced their purpose. It had to start with individuals to build. And it starts with us all individually embracing our purpose, but then corporately coming together to build the house of God. And um, Paul Coleman, when he came here to do a... Um, am I going right for um, Paul Coleman, when he was here with Steve Aparana, he, he said something, and I love it, it's just that let the four walls of this church not be uh, c- uh, uh, to contain, but to be bridges to the community. I love that. 
And it's like, so we build in our own personal times. We build, we get down on our knees and we pray and we intercede and all that. But it's for a purpose, not just for us, but for the community. So our walls of these churches aren't to hold people out or hold people in. It's about being bridges to the community. I want to ask, because these are the questions that I ask myself, is what is holding you back from becoming the person God has called you to begin it called you to be, and it begins right now. Today, make a decision. Put, put something in the put that stake in the ground, and ask yourself, what is it that's holding me back today? What are the excuses that I'm making for me not to, um, to, I don't know, just receive from the Lord and reach the full potential of what He's called us to be and to do? Um, you know, God hasn't called us to make excuses. He has called us to make a difference. You know, I've heard, and probably from the, from the youth and even from my own kids saying, oh, I'm too young. And I know we've, we've heard um, messages about this, I'm too young, I'm too young. But you know what? I thought about it, I thought God used John the Baptist when he was in the womb. I mean, you can't get much younger than that now, can you? <laughs> and that's found in Luke 1, 39 to 45. He also called Samuel into ministry when he was just a boy. That was 1 Samuel 3. Um, and he, he possibly, I don't know how old David was, but I probably believe he was a teenager, and he called David to take on Goliath. You know, so if you're young, yeah, well, I don't know, people are called when they're in the womb, and God uses them mightily. Stop saying you're too old. You're never too old, ever, ever, ever. You know, Moses was 80 when God called him to lead a major relocation project. I mean, that, that was quite a feat. I mean, he was 80 years old. And, you know... This is, my, this is one thing that I love hearing is, is the older people in the church, please share your knowledge. Please share your experiences. Cover us younger ones for the, the walk that you've had and what, who you've found in Christ. Please share it with us. We need people that are older than ourselves to, to cover us, to pray for us because we're the next generation. And, you know, we want to honour you in that. And it's likewise, my generation, it's, it's like... Um, you know, the youth of today, like Gracie and things like that, it's like, you know, we've got to encourage them. We've got to uphold them in prayer. Um, you know, Noah was around 500 when God told him to build the ark. You know, stop saying you've messed, up, you've messed up too much to be used by God. And this is something that I've come under sometimes. And this is some, things that people think they're discounted from ministry or even being able to minister out, out from their walk in Christ is they've messed up too much. And so what happens is it brings a containment and confinement. It brings shame. And, you know, and that's an area that Satan really, really will try and get at. You know, you're no good for that. Who are you to speak into somebody else's life? Who are you to go sing that song when you've just screwed up five minutes ago? Or you've led a life of what could be deemed as shame. But you know what? It's out of Jesus died for you that you'll be free. Um, the Bible is full of imperfect people who embrace the love of of a perfect God, and then went on to make an impact for his kingdom. I loved, I just quickly went through, and I thought, well, Elijah just wanted to straight out quit. <laughs> Jonah ran away from God. Thomas doubted Jesus' resurrection, and God did big, huge things through them anyway. God will use anything, and, you know, if we're open vessel, just ready to be used, and just say, God, use me in any way. We don't live through, we don't have experiences in our lives to hold on to in them ourselves. When God has a breakthrough in our life, 
And so we share it, and so it, it, it means that other people too can hear what God can do, and they have breakthroughs in their own life. Um, stop saying you're afraid of it will be uncomfortable. Jesus said, if we're going to be followers of him, we have to take up our cross, not our mattress. You know, <laughs> you know let's take up the cross, not the mattress. You know, I don't want to be comfortable anymore. I really don't. If anything, it's just there's been a huge stirring in my spirits. I don't want to be comfortable. I mean, there's no challenge in that. I like living on the edge. You've got to have your boots and hat to go with it, of course. <laughs> Stop saying you're uncertain of what may happen. David was willing to step into a valley to face Goliath that day with no guarantees he would be victorious. You know, there are no guarantees. All I know is that Jesus died for my sins and I will have eternal life with him if I believe on him, you know. But, you know, when we step out in faith, quite often there's no guarantees that it's going to go the way that you want it to go or expect it to go. He did, David just saw an opportunity that he would have had rather die than pass up and seize an opportunity for God. Isn't that amazing? He would rather die He's going to go before Goliath, you know, and you look at the logistics of that, you know, he, he probably stepped out, no, probably he had a, who knows, that he was going to win it, but the fact is he stepped out, not knowing that there would have been an absolute guarantee that he would have come best, you know. Once we know about the gifts God has generously poured out on us to equip us to be successful in all that he has called us to do, we can no longer keep buying into the lie which Satan is putting before us. You know, once we embrace our purpose, once we get the full revelation of what God has for us and who we are, we can't keep believing that lie of Satan. We just can't. We really can't. The Lord has a purpose for us that is so much richer and fuller than anything the world could offer, really. It is something that the world just can't take away from us. The things of the world, they come and they go, you know, but the Lord has a richer and fuller than what the world can offer us. We are not accidents and our life does not have mean. Uh, sorry, we are not accidents and our life does have a meaning. It's time to start paying attention to opportunities, obsessions and opposition that have been placed in our lives so we can discover the unleashing power of God has in store for us. We've actually really got to start looking. What is it that's holding us back? You know, the mucky stuff. You know, David, David could have been a shepherd for the rest of his life and probably would have been quite happy to do so. Um, he, and he's probably quite a good one. Um, or he could have just been a musician he was, sounds like he's quite good at that too. However, God created him to be a king and ruler of Israel. A king and a ruler. Shepherd boy, king and ruler. How did he get there? Because he positioned himself. He discovered that by following God's plan one step at a time as he did so, his life was completely unleashed. Don't you love that word, unleashed? To me, it's like unleashed. It sounds wee. <laughs> um, but it started with a small step for David. And you know what that step was? It is so, so little. It was taking the bread to his brothers. That's all it was. And everything was unleashed from there. It was taking the bread to his brothers. Who would have thought that by being obedient and listening and taking bread to his brothers, King of Israel? So I want to ask, what is your next step? What is the next step for you? You've got desires and dreams in your heart. Or maybe you don't even know what they are yet. But are you positioning yourself in the place of the Lord that God will speak to you? Are you, are you hindering yourself by saying, God, I'm disqualified because of what I've done? 
I'm disqualified because of what I did last week. But you know what? God uses everything. And what it is is you come before him, you come in repentance, you ask God, what is it you want from my life? And he will use you. He really, really will. But it's about seizing the opportunities, every opportunity. And that's what I loved about Gateway. The mod doesn't matter who it was. I was hungry, you gave me food. It doesn't matter who you meet in walks of life. You don't know what happens behind closed doors. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, you took me in. I was naked, you clothed me. I was sick, you visited me. I was in prison, you came to me. As you did it to less of these, you did it for me. And if you really don't know what you've been called to do, you're called to serve. And that's about it. That's all I have to say, I think.